Welcome back to our High Five, where we're gonna highlight five awesome things that are happening in the life of our church. So let's jump into it. Up at number five, here at One Church, we're praying for one person to share God's love with. Recently, a couple of people from our Franklin Outpost decided to share God's love by collecting resources to give to their under-resourced friends in the area. High five, Franklin, to how God will continue to move in people's lives as we pray for one. Up at number four, this past weekend, students from across the region gathered at our Manchester outpost for a super fun evening of games, worship, and a message by special guest, Willie Alfonso. Many students took their next step of faith. High five you guys to more times like these. Here at number three, last week, our Rutland and Brandon outpost hosted ABC camp, where kids had a blast playing games, learning dances, doing crafts, and of course, learning about Jesus. High five to all the kiddos who went. Here's to many more fun times like these. In at number two, our fiscal year here at One Church just ended. And because of your generosity, we were able to pour over $500,000 into our communities. We saw tons of community events, outreach drives, and financial support for many of our outreach partners this year. Way to go, church. Thank you for faithfully giving. As you give, lives change. And finally, up at number one, we're celebrating two baptisms from our Manchester and Concord outposts this past weekend. Dimitri and Joshua both decided to follow what God was calling them to do and be baptized. High five you guys to how God will continue to move in your lives. Thanks for joining us for our high five and I can't wait to celebrate with you in the next one. All right, that was my bad. I was, I was going to set it up top to let you know what it is we're going to talk about. So, so Bo is a senior pastor at uh, One Church. And you know what I love about God is that he seeks to speak our language. He seeks to meet us where we are at. It's why we want to go to a trampoline park you know, next Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, so that you can tell your friends at school and that you can tell people that you know in your community, hey, hey, show up. And, and, and we want to let you know that we love you and that we care about you. We want to, to, to speak where you are. And so Bo had written a book that um, is not what you expect. Um, it might surprise you in some sense. I read it twice in one weekend. I'm like, what is this all about? What are we, what are we talking about here? And yet um, there's some beautiful things there, some hard things there about the human heart. And... Um, Thinking about people in my life that may not ever consider, you know, going to a church, um, but at the same time are really willing to wrestle with, you know, what's going on in their hearts of what they see in the world out there and what's going on in their hearts interior, um, it can speak to that. And so um, we, we do have them out there if you are interested in that. Uh, but I'm going to pray, and then we're going to talk about it. <clears throat> Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for everybody here right now. Lord, I thank you that you became flesh so that you could speak our language and that we could not only hear about you, but walk with you and talk with you and, and learn from you. Jesus, we thank you. I thank you for this moment. Holy Spirit, I pray that you do a work here that is far beyond my ability. Lord, I thank you for every person in this room right now, whether they want to be here, know that's why they're here, but Lord, I pray that you might take this moment and seize this moment, and by your Spirit, you might speak whatever... Whatever barriers, whatever frustrations, whatever pain, whatever suffering we brought into this room, Lord, I pray that you might speak to it, speak through it, that you might give us ears to hear. It's your name we pray. Amen. God is for you. God is with you. 
God is calling you into things. And it doesn't matter how young you are right now. And it doesn't matter how old you are. God is for you. God is calling you. And he invites you into things. And you know what, what, what we sometimes might frustrate us about God is that sometimes he'll tell us the what, but he doesn't tell us the how. And maybe you're in there right now. He tells you the what, like this is what you're supposed to do. And you don't really know the how. And so we have all kinds of questions. And I think the invitation of God is like to say, well, I want you to just know me. And I want you to know that I am the way. And if you will walk with me and, and if you'll, you'll journey with me, there will be a lot of what's and there'll be a lot of how's. But I want you to focus more upon the who. And maybe you come here today and it's a mess. Your life is a mess or you're about to step into messes because that's life, isn't it? It's just messes. And, and yet the invitation of God is, no, I want you to walk with me. And I, I, I will be with you all along the journey. The wonder and beauty of our, about our God is that he's, he's with us. He's with us. He walks with us. So in, in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, there's a guy named Moses that probably isn't much different than me or you, though we sometimes take biblical characters and we, make, we think about them in different terms. But no, they're just like you and me. And, and Moses is given this huge task. He's like, I want you to go deliver my, my, my people from Egypt. I'll tell you the what. Well, I'm not, but what's the how? And Moses is like, how am I going to do this? I, I'm certainly not sufficient for this. How, how's this going to happen? And what God says is, I, I don't want you to worry about so much the how. I want you to worry about the who. I want you to know that I'm enough. That the things I call you into, that the things I invite you into, that where you find yourself today, I want you to know that the who is with you. And Moses is like, well, who is the who? And that's when we hear the name of God. And it's not a small thing to hear the name of God. It's not a small thing that we today, like this very moment, get to know the name of God. Because in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, it's our memory verse. This is what God says to Moses. So Moses is saying, well, who am I supposed to say has sent me? And that's when, when God will say to him in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, we're going to say it together. This is what God said. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. What is the name of God? The name of God is I am. And it's Yahweh is how we might say it. It's like in our English terminology. It's like Yahweh. It's breath. It's life. It's the, he's the great I am. He is the one. And so I worry about the what. And you probably worry about the what, and you probably worry about the how. In fact, right now, there's probably something in your life where you're worried about the what and the how, and sometimes in the what and the how, you can miss the who. That the I am is with you. That the I am is for you. And what you'll find about Jesus is that Jesus is the way. In, John chapter seven, in the book of John, John's going through these seven I am statements of Jesus. He'll go through seven signs that Jesus will, will show people so that people, not just that they might see signs, because we, we, we as people, we like to see signs. If God would just show me who he was in some radical sign, then, then that would be enough. And if you watch human history, if you watch, like, signs are never enough. They're never enough. Like, we want them to be, they're never enough of signs. Jesus is saying, I don't want you to just look at the signs. I want you to look to me. I want you to know that I am the way. And so in John chapter 13, Right towards the end of John chapter 13, in a, while, in a lot of ways, everything is unraveling. You ever experienced any unraveling? Dreams, hopes, expectations? Like, God, where were you on this one? 
Because prior to that, things were looking pretty good. Prior to that, things were looking pretty good. Like, like Jesus is the Messiah. He says that he is the Messiah, the one that the world's been waiting for. Like, he, he's arrived in Jesus. And, and so he's got together this group of guys uh, and ladies who are like, okay, we, we are in. In fact, we're going we're gonna, to we're, we're leave our jobs and we're going to follow Jesus. And, and they're watching Jesus. And as they're watching Jesus, they start to see that there's things that he's doing that no one else has done. done. The blind are seeing, the lame are walking, dead men are raising to life again. And they're like, okay. Okay, this this Jesus guy, man. We want to hitch our wagon to him. Um, he enters into Jerusalem on a donkey, and they're laying down palm branches, and like this is good. Everything's going good. And then he has this last supper with them, this last meal with them, and. And a little weird, and they're trying to process, like he gets down and, and he takes off his outer cloak and he starts washing their feet and they're like, well, this is weird. It is weird. Let me just tell you, God washing your feet is weird. And if you struggle with your picture or vision of who God is, just look at John chapter 13 and watch him wash the feet of people because there's something there that's worth staring at. And so they're like, God, I don't exactly know what's going on. And then Jesus will start to tell them something. He keeps telling them that he's going to be going away. Which doesn't make any sense. <laughs> the, the political king that has arrived in the person of Jesus, little baby in a manger, the one who is starting this revolution is telling you that he's going away. And you're like, pause. You're like, wait a minute. Like, what, what do you mean you're going away? Going away? Where are you going? The only place we want you to go, we want you to go to the throne. Well, where, what are you talking about going away? And so Jesus at this last supper, at this meal, he's washed their feet and he tells them, I'm going away. And they're like, our whole lives, our whole reputations. And this is where Jesus will start to talk to them. And like, I want you to know that I am the way. And so Jesus will give them some last words. They're not his last, last words, but he talks to them in the sense of as he's going away, he wants them to know how to live in the midst of it. It's like when you leave the house, when your kids are finally old enough, and you're given some last instructions. You ever been there, parents? You're given some last instructions. You're like, this is, this is how you're supposed to behave yourself while I'm gone until we get back. Like, you're given some last instructions. I don't know if Jesus is saying it that way, but in John chapter 13, Jesus will start to give the last instruction. He says some pretty interesting stuff. So this is John chapter 13, verse 33 through 38. He says this, my children, I will be with you only a little longer. Which, try to imagine like them hearing that. What are you, what are you talking about, Jesus? Uh, my children, I will, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. We got thrones sitting next to you in heaven. What are you talking about where you're going? We, you, we cannot come. Um, he says, a, a new command I give you. And the new command I give you is this, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. By this, everyone will know that you are a follower of me if you love one another. Now, Simon Peter asked them, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow me, but you will follow later. And Peter asked him, Lord, why can't I follow you now? He says, I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, 
you will disown me three times. I mean, Jesus, near the end, he starts throwing a lot of curveballs. How do you do with curveballs? Like, you ever have that where you think it's going to be one way and God says, no, it's going to be, it's going to be this way. And the disciples are, are, are struggling. And so Jesus says, my, my children, which is the only time he uses it. It's the first time he uses it in the book of John. He says, my children, I'm, I'm going to be going away. And you know what I did as I was thinking through this text? I did exactly what Peter did. I got stuck on where are you going? Why are you going? Why can't I follow you there? And you know what I missed? I missed what Jesus was saying. Because what Jesus says, I got a new command for you. Have you ever been so like caught up in some circumstantial thing that's happening that you actually can miss what Jesus is clearly saying? And so this is what Jesus says. He says, and I, I guess I, I don't mean to hang on this for too long, but I realize that sometimes there's situations that hit my life or, or questions that I have about God. Any of you got questions about God? Any of you questions about why God would do something in your life? Like, and you're just stuck on it and you're like, and, and it can, it can, and it's okay, I, I suppose. Like, you're like, you can kind of spiral in like, God, why would you allow this to happen? God, God, this isn't the way I would expect you to move. God, this is what I wouldn't want you to do in my life. And, and we miss sometimes the very clear thing that he says to us. And so this is what he says. He says, a new command I give you. He says, I want you to love one another. And you're like, that's not a new command. Like, love has been all over. In fact, like, if, if, if you knew, um, like, like the way Jewish people viewed their scriptures, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, was like one of their premier verses. It's like what they were supposed to carry around them all the time. And it says this, Hear, the Lord, hear, hear O Israel, the Lord your God is one. You are to love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love the Lord your God with all your mind. Love the Lord your God with all your strength and soul. Love the Lord with everything that you have. And then Jesus, was, and when he's asked, like, what are the greatest commandments? He says, well, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, Deuteronomy chapter 6. And then he says, and the second is like it. He says, I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. And so love is like this core of what Jesus will say. And sometimes we make love soft and sometimes we're like, oh, I'm not sure if love is enough. And, and Jesus said, no, this is, this is the command that I give you. But you're like, well, that's not new. This has been the message from the beginning. So what's the new command? Well, Jesus says, well, this is the new command. I want you to love one another as I have loved you. In other words, you're going to watch love and you're going to see what love does. Like, if you're going to see what love looks like, you're going to look at Jesus. You're going to look at me, he says, and you're going to see that love washes feet. Now, what does that have to say about our marriages? What does that have to say about our enemies? He says, if you want to know what love looks like, the new command that I give you is that I, I want you to love to the point of self-sacrifice, a, a point of self, selflessness. I've been wrestling through this all week. It's like, I'm not sure if I, I, I want to love like that, but man, I am an imperfect human being. And yet Jesus says, this is the new command I give you. I want you to love people like I love people. And so I have to ask myself, well, how did Jesus love people? And he loved them to the death. <laughs> like he loved them like to the end. But this is what Jesus said. This is what Jesus didn't say. He's, well, he says this. He said, they will know, they will recognize you are a follower of me. Like as I am going away and you are here, he says, this is how people will know that you are a follower of me by how you love one another. Here's what Jesus doesn't say. Jesus doesn't say they will know 
They will know you are my disciples by how much religious doctrine you might possibly know. Is it bad? No, but that's not how people are going to know who you are. He doesn't say that, that, that people will know that you are my disciples by, by, by what people groups or how you vote or what your voting record might look like. He says, that's not how they, they, they're, they're going to know that you're my disciples by how you love one another. And Peter and John, me, John, I get lost on the, but where are you going? And maybe right now you're lost in something other than the clear command of Jesus that says, well, what's my calling on your life? My calling on your life is for you to walk and live like me. Jesus is saying, if you're going to be my follower, it means that you're going to love other people. He says, by this, the world will know that you are my followers. And I, I, you know, I just ask myself this question. It's like, how are we, do, how are we doing that? How, how are we doing at that? How am I doing at that? I don't know if you've gone through premarital counseling. and I mean, I think this could be helpful to everybody in the room, so don't, don't turn off your ears. <clears throat> Five love languages. Anybody hear them? We all have different ways that we receive love or feel love. And it, I had to write them down because I don't remember them because I don't know. But just as I say, I'm just think about what yours might be because we all have a different way that we really feel love. Uh, some, it's quality time. It's like, I just need more time with you. I just want to be with you. I just want to be with you. I just want to be with you. For others, it's acts of service. It's like this person, I can see that they love me by, because they, they're, they're willing to, to serve. It's, some, it's physical touch. It's like being able to be touched and hugged. And for some, it's gifts. It's like, oh, you were thinking about me. Like I wasn't there, but you, you had me on your mind and, and you sought to show me love with a gift. And sometimes what happens is we, we love people with our love gift and they're like, I don't, I don't, I don't. He's like, I don't, I, don't, I don't care about time with you. It's like, I just want to hear words of affirmation. Just tell me, <laughs> that's, the, that's, the, that's the fifth one. It's just, just, just tell me I'm, I'm doing okay. Like, 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 tell me that. And so we have all of these different love languages and this way that we, we speak to one another, but What's intriguing is if you watch Jesus, he's the embodiment of all of those, all wrapped in one of how he loves. Like quality time. This is what he says. The, the promise of God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. There is nowhere you can go where the, the love of God is not present with you right now. To the highest of heights, the lowest of lows. God, God is with you. When you think about um, acts of service, it says the Son of Man came to, be, came to serve and not to be served and to give his life as a ransom for many. When you come to physical touch for Pete's sakes, it says the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. God touched people. What? Like, like, like I got so much churchiness in me and so much Christianity in me. It's like, yeah, of course, you know, of course God became flesh, a little baby in a manger. I'm like, no, that's weird. God touched people. He touched lepers. He touched the untouchable. He touched those who felt like they were outcasts and didn't belong. Words of affirmation. When you think of the, about the things he just says, Jesus came to preach good news to the poor. He said to Centurion, he says, man, I've never seen faith like this before. And so Jesus is the way to love. 
Jesus is the way to love. Jesus shows us the way to love. And it's a high thing, right? It's a high thing to love like Jesus. And I would say just because it's a high thing doesn't mean that we're not supposed to pursue it. It's like, in, in fact, pray this little prayer with me. Like, not out loud. You don't have to pray it out loud. But God, who are you blatantly telling, telling me that I am supposed to be loving like Jesus right now? And what is it in me that I'm, that I'm not? What is it in me that's resistant to that? What, what is it in me that says, well, 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 Jesus will wash my feet, but I can't wash these feet. Like, God, where in me is this love like not there? Jesus is the way to, Jesus is the way to love, but Jesus is also truth. Jesus is truth to believe. Jesus is, is willing to, is, is, is worthy of being listened to. Jesus will, he'll say this next phrase in the next couple of verses. You can put it up, the, the next verses up there, but it says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Now, sometimes we get all religious and say, oh, I'm never going to have a troubled heart. Now, I think he's telling his disciples this because they're troubled. And what he's saying is like, you don't have to stay in your trouble. Like, you don't have to live in your trouble. Like, maybe you're troubled right now. Like, and that's okay. It's okay if you came in here troubled right now. Like, but what Jesus will say is like, don't, don't let your hearts be troubled. Like, in the midst of it, he's like, let me speak into that. Because his disciples are like, where are you going, Jesus? Like, what's going to happen? Our whole world is unraveling. And I don't, I don't know if I can fully understand how much their world was unraveling at that moment. Imagine you have given up everything. You are ready to go after the Romans because that's their estimation. It's like, we're going after the Romans. And, and we are going to finally be our own nation. And... and and one nation, and, and all of a sudden, um, plans change. Or, not so much change as they're just not your plans. And this is what Jesus says. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. I want you to believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and I prepare a place for you, I will come back. And I will take you to be with me. That you also may be where I am. You know, to the, you know the way to the place that I'm going. There's this refrain throughout Jesus' words and then throughout Paul that keeps telling us to not be anxious about anything. And Jesus will keep telling us to not worry. And the reason why I say that is because I am a worrier and I can be anxious about a lot of things. And I cannot be the only one in the room. And so I look at Jesus and I'm looking at the disciples and trying to figure out, God, what do you do? What do I do with your curveballs? What, what do I do when, you, when things fall off course? Jesus says, I, I want you to believe in me. That's what he says. He says, you believe in the Father. Which, man, Jesus is all over the place saying that he is God. He says, you, be, you believe in the Father. And they did. They believed in the Father. Like, like, not all. I mean, they didn't do all that well sometimes. But if you look at Israel, if, if you look at their history, they had many glimpses of what God had done for them. God had been faithful. They knew that. He delivered them from slavery in Egypt. He led them through the wilderness. He fed them through the wilderness. He clothed them through the wilderness. He brought water from rocks. He led them into the promised land. There's all of this Israel's history where, like, they constantly saw the faithfulness of God. And as much as, I mean, they were human too and they had their struggles. But listen to what Jesus says. He says, you believed 
in the faithfulness of God. Now I want you to believe in my faithfulness. Jesus is wanting us to hear something. He's saying, and he'll say it very plainly later. He's like, I and the Father are one. We're one. And so we're supposed to believe Jesus. We're supposed to take Jesus at his word. And, like, and so what, what is the word we're supposed to take? To, 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 what are we to believe? And what you can believe about Jesus is that he is God. At the very least, you've got to study him a little bit and see that that is the claim that he is making. He's saying, I and the, fa- I am, I and the Father, are, we are one. If you've, seen the, if you've seen me, you've now seen the Father. And so you're like, oh, what does God look like? And maybe that's your thing. And maybe people that you know, maybe people that will be a bounce-a-palooza or bounce, bounce back to school, they'll be like, well, what does God really look like? And what you can say is, well, what God looks like is the person of Jesus. And you're like, well, what does Jesus look like? Well, Jesus looks like one who is washing people's feet and dying for the sins of people and one who has open arms inviting you into his kingdom. And so Jesus is saying, believe me in And he says this other stuff that I wish in my 45 years of life I could tell you I understand completely, but I don't. Because he starts to talk about the afterlife. And I I guess I would tell you, like, even though I don't understand it, I I believe Jesus. He says, um, in my father's house, there are many rooms. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. I wish I could tell you what all that means. I can, I mean. Often when Jesus talked about house, it was the temple. The place where people would go to be in the presence of God. And then he says the house is people because his spirit comes and dwells in the house. And there's something, I suppose, about our future, if I understand what Jesus is saying, is that there's some type of invitation to the total presence of God that he is preparing for you and for me. I don't know what that all looks like. Like, I don't know what all that, that looks like, but he says, I'm, I'm going to prepare a place for you. In my, in my father's house, there's a table and there's a seat for you there at that table. And so you believe Jesus, like, okay. He's going to prepare a place for me. And then he goes, he goes on, it gets all logical on us. And he says, well, if I'm telling you, if I'm telling you, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I also want to tell you that I'm coming back. And I'm going to take you where I am. Like we're a part of like, we're in the middle of the, this full restoration process of what God is doing in the world. And he starts, and starts to do it in our lives. And he starts to restore us in some ways here on earth. But there's this full restoration. There is this no more death, no more pain, no more suffering that Jesus promises. And so we believe Jesus. Jesus is truth to believe. And then finally, Jesus is life. Jesus is the life to live because that's what he wants his disciples really to do. He says, I want you to live my life. I want you to live like me. And so this is what he goes on to say. He says, well, Thomas is still bothered by it. And if you keep reading through John 14, you have like this rhythm. Everybody's like wrestling with Jesus. Where are you going? Jesus, where are you going? We can't go. Thomas is speaking up and, and Peter is speaking up. And, and I think multiple people are speaking up. And I think it's Philip maybe. Um, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. You ever feel like that with God? <laughs> you ever feel like that with God? Lord, we don't know where you're going. 
Like, maybe that's your life right now. Lord, I don't know where you're going. Like, I don't know where you're going in this whole thing. I don't know where you're going in this relationship. Lord, I don't know where you're going in this new job. Like, I don't know where you're going in this job loss. God, I don't know where you're going in the midst of this. We don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way. That's a weird answer. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. And this is what he says, from now on you do know him. And you have seen him. Jesus, man, I'm reminded how much I want the what. And how much I want the how. And maybe that's Again, maybe somewhere in your life, God, show us where in our lives we want the what and the how. Because it, it hits us all in different ways, right? Your what and your how might be different. We might name them differently. And what I think God told Moses is like, no, I want you to focus on the who. And Jesus is like, man, life is hard and there's going to be all kinds of twists and turns and you're going to be like, man, if, if I just knew the destination for Pete's sake, just give me the destination. Just help me know the how. And, and, and what Jesus says, well, I, I want to give you the secret of life. I am the way. I am the truth. I am life. And the best thing you can do in your life is to know me and to trust me, and to follow me. Jesus will, man, he's so good at not just talking. He, in his invitation to his disciples to walk in his way, he makes them participants, which is what this moment is as we get ready for communion. Like, he makes us participants in what he's doing. And so he has a meal with them, and he says, um, this is my body that's given for you, and whenever you do this, remember me, and so we take to our king. He says, this is my blood poured out for you. This is what love looks like. This is what love looks like, life poured out. Whenever you do this, do it to the king. And then it's after that. It's after that moment. It's after that moment of having the meal that Jesus says, now, I'm going away. And I think we stand in that, we stand in that gap right now. He says, and as I am away, now we have the beautiful, wonderful Holy Spirit with us, but he says, until I return, I've got a command for you. I've got a blessing for you. I've got an invitation for you. I've got a calling for your life. And you're like, well, what is the calling for my life? He says, now do what I just did. Lay it all down for people so that they might know and that they might see me in you. We all pray with me. Father God, as I... Uh, stand here right now, I remember that the first insult given to your church was to call them little Christs. And I think what was meant as a as a joke 
was right in line with what you are asking. And that is for your church to be little representations of Jesus everywhere we go. And we can pretend that, or we can get caught up in all the what's and how's. But Lord, I pray that who you are might flow through us. And Lord, I guess right now I pray specifically for every relationship that is represented by this room to every person that we know. And I pray that we may not only be a light, but that we might be, that you might remind us that we are a beautiful representation of Jesus to them. It's your name we pray. Amen. Would you all stand with me? You're invited to, to the way. And there's a lot of my life where I like my way. There's a lot of times in my life where I want to do what I want to do. And like you, every time I've done that, I'm like, well, this was a dumb way. <laughs> I didn't want to end up here. And Jesus will constantly invite you into his way. If, if today's the day where you want to walk in Jesus' way, the invitation that he gives to us is to be baptized into him. We have water over here, and if today's the day you want to, to take Jesus and say, I want to walk in the way, I want to know Jesus, I, I don't need every bullet point on the what and the how. I just want to embrace the who as he is embracing me. You're invited to be baptized into him. The cross has spoken 
King of Kings calls me His own beautiful Savior. I'm yours forever, Jesus Christ, my God's love with. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week.